0: It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile App. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network.
1: Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. Giants have selected with the 20th overall pick in the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft. Kadarius Toney, wide receiver out of the University of Florida. John Schmoke, Paul Dottino, Lance Meadow with you on a special rapid-fire quick-reaction edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on the Thursday night of round one of the 2021 NFL Draft on the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank. And if you're just tuning in, you might be like, whoa, 20th overall, what the heck's going on here? Well, that's because... They have now changed the NASCAR racetracks where people are turning right because Dave Gettleman, for the first ever time as general manager of the New York Giants, guys, has made a trade. And he moved down from pick number 11 in the first round all the way to pick number 20 with the Chicago Bears and in return received the 20th overall pick the 164th pick in this year's draft, which gives the Giants back their fifth-round pick that they lost in the Leonard Williams trade. They're also getting the Bears' 2022 first-round pick and 2022 fourth-round pick. Lance Meadow, Paul Detino, with me. I am John Schmoke, of course. Guys, we've talked about the potential of a trade-down throughout this process. We weren't sure if they would go as far down as 20, but Paul, given the haul... Hard to be anything but excited about what the Giants are looking at next year now with two first round picks.
0: I don't think there's any doubt about that, John. And really, what happened for me, and you guys know that the story for me was simply that I was looking for Sertan and I was looking for Horn and, uh, you know, I was looking for Waddle. And they're all gone. All gone. And as you love to jab me on occasion. Uh, and have set up for me the fact that what happens if all your guys are gone? And I always hem and haw, and I basically say to you, well, I would consider a trade down, but got to be the right price. I got I to see if I can get it. I think Dave Gettleman got more than the right price. He, he not only gets the fifth rounder, that he lost in the Leonard Williams trade, he gets a number one next year from a team that may not turn out to be all that great in the Chicago bears, but then he also gets a fourth rounder next year. Now consider two things, John, number one, we've heard from most of our draft experts in the last month on BBKL that next year's draft because of the opt outs and because of guys having an extra year of eligibility, particularly It will be an even better and deeper draft next year. On top of that, Kevin Abrams, the Giants cap guru, just told the media a week or so ago that he believes 2021 is going to be a challenging year for the Giants under the cap, which could mean they're going to have to make some very painful cap cuts. Well, what happens when those spots open up on your roster? You're looking to fill them. Now you've got an extra one and an extra four to make-it-graded type players who will fill those spots under rookie contracts.
1: And, Paul, by the way, now you should understand why I put you in those tight spots, though, because sometimes your guys
0: are all gone and you have to make tough decisions. That's that why is I, I absolutely do the exercise. True. Yes, and, and it's very good for you to give, to give me that kind of brain work to go through. And, of course, because we try to look at all the angles of the prism here on this program and give you a complete perspective— that's why I'm telling you, I do think that there's a component here that does help the Giants moving forward economically as they look toward next year. We, we've all heard this, and Lance is very good at reminding us, you can't necessarily draft for today. You've always got to look at what's happening tomorrow.
1: Lance, how about you? Your thoughts on the trade?
2: Yeah, I'm with Paul. I think this was great value for the Giants, mainly because of the fact that to take it a step further – You now have two first-round picks in 2022, and that means that you could draft two players, as I'll continue to highlight what Paul said, that you will have on a four-year deal plus the fifth-year option. So that's some nice protection for two guys that you could really build upon within the nucleus of your team in a draft class that, as Paul alluded to, is going to have more depth. But here's the other thing. You're going to have more exposure to the prospects in 2022 because we're under the assumption that the process will be near what it was like pre-pandemic. So that means you'll be able to meet with them in person. You'll have your scouts go to the various schools. That's more of a reason why you want to add up more resources in 2022 and future years as opposed to putting everything into 2021. So I think from that standpoint, it's great. I'm not too overly concerned about the additional fifth-round pick this year. I'm looking more of what the Giants were able to capitalize and gain in 2022. Two first-rounders, a mid-round pick. That's some nice, valuable resources, and especially the fact that now that you were aggressive in free agency this year, the goal is you want to continue to build this team through the draft, and they're going to have the ability to do that based on what they acquired in this move.
1: And guys, exactly what you talked about, valuing those 2022 draft selections, is what Dave Gediman spoke about in his press conference. How are you going to know more about that class? And this year, you don't have quite as much information with the unique scouting environment. So, yeah, I think that was a huge deal in making that trade. Dave Gediman also talked about how Howie Roseman, not afraid to trade in the division with the Dallas Cowboys to move up. Nobody would admit that that trade and then taking Devontae Smith prompted the Giants' trade down. But granted, they picked the wide receiver a little bit later. I don't think it would surprise anybody if it did. But they end up getting a player that they spoke about as being a first-round player on their board. Chris Pettit said that. A really good value right in the mix. Dave Gettleman made that point. And a guy in Kadarius, Tony who, if you read all the reports, I actually watched him this uh, yesterday on Wednesday afternoon again for a second time to kind of catch up on his tape after seeing him at the Senior Bowl. And guys, you know, Lance, you use this expression a lot, so I'm going to steal it from you, and then you can kind of explain what you mean by it. The guy is as much of an offensive weapon as he is a wide receiver, and I think it was telling when Kadarius Tony was asked for his player comparisons. He brought up Devontae Adams, which is fine. The second guy he brought up was Alvin Kamara, who's a running back because he can do so many different things. He's not your traditional like savvy route runner that's a technician. This is a guy you get the ball to in space and let him cook. He's a yards after catch machine.
2: Yeah, and what I mean by weapon is I don't like to classify a player under one umbrella. That's why I like to use weapons. Saquon Barkley, for example, I don't think he's a running back. He's an offensive weapon. Kyle Pitts, who was selected by the Falcons, I don't think it's fair to say he's a tight end. He's an offensive weapon. So Tony certainly has some of those characteristics. And I think all you have to do is you look at the film and you look at how Florida utilized him. They moved him around within that Gators offense. They lined him up out of the backfield. They lined him up in the slot. They lined him up outside. So he's a jack-of-all-trades type of player. And to me, that's beneficial because if you look at what the Giants already are working with, guys, and they brought in Kenny Galladay, they have Sterling Shepard, they have Darius Slayton. If you can now add a wide receiver or a weapon who could be moved around, then if you're Jason Garrett, it really doesn't matter who you have on the field with Tony because if Tony's comfortable being placed in a variety of spots— you'll allow him to show his flexibility within the offense as opposed to having to make moves because you're limited as to where you could put these playmakers. So I think that's a big benefit. And John, as you hit on the yak component, this is somebody you get him the ball in the open field similar to a Saquon Barkley, and you believe that he can then do damage after the catch. And what is the key term been that Dave Gettleman had emphasized all throughout the offseason?
1: Playmakers!
2: There you go. You need to surround Daniel Jones with playmakers, and he's somebody to me that fits into that category.
1: And Paul, in a lot of the same ways, we spoke about how Jalen Waddle would be a great complement to the Giants' current wide receivers in a slightly different way, but in a lot of ways the same way. I think Kadarius Toney's the same thing, right? You know, the Giants don't have a receiver that you can dump a two-yard screen pass to and count on them running 50 yards for a touchdown. They got Saquon Barkley that can do that, but they don't have a receiver that can do that. Uh, he might be. He ran a sub 4-4. I'll bring it up right here. His 40-yard dash at his pro day was a 4-3-7. He might be the fastest straight-ahead wide receiver the Giants have. Him in Slayton, a race with those guys would be well, fun. I'll probably
0: John Ross will be oh, there. Oh,
1: I forgot about Ross. Great point. Right. Yeah. Other than John Ross, good good point, Paul. I forgot about him. Yes, but he's a guy with all the different ways you can use him that I do, that I do think complements the current Giants' current group of wide receivers well.
0: Well, the Giants contingent told us that he can play inside or outside, and will also be a factor in the return game, and and that just is an extra bonus. Uh, some of the notes I wrote down for him is that obviously quicks, he has a second gear, he's got ball skills. We we heard from the Giants people talking about his hands, no doubt about that. The concerns that I had, uh, simply put, you know, he's he, he's a tad under six feet. And you know, I, I, I like to really push my, my big wide receivers. He measured so, five eleven and a half by the so way. So just a tad mm-hmm. under. So, you know, this is but the Giants seem to like to collect those those types of receivers. They they've over the years they've they've had a lot of guys who are just around six feet tall. Uh, so he does kind of match that profile, and 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 also I think he could do a better job of trying to shed some blocks. He gets a uh, shed some uh, tacklers. He gets a lot of his yak yarded simply by his elusiveness, which is not a bad thing, by the way. You know, uh, would like to see him get a little bit stronger so that maybe he can run through some of those arm tackles uh, in the secondary. But but I think the the other key item here to take note of, John. And, and you talked about it a little bit earlier about, you know, the Giants making this move and, you know, getting an offensive weapon. And, you know, is it, is it necessarily because of the trade that Philly made or not? Well, Gettleman said that the Giants have been talking to the Chicago Bears earlier in the day, and, you know, they were already starting to get something going because, The Giants were planning for all these different scenarios. And I think that, to me, that that says an awful lot about what they were thinking about the possibility of losing all of their guys off of the board. And then he said that the talks heated up when it got to the seventh pick. Now, at seven, Detroit took Sewell. Think about that for a second. Waddle had just gone to Miami at six. Sewell went to Detroit at seven, That's when the talk started to heat up again, and Gettleman was back on the phone with the Bears, and then Horn, Sertan, and Smith were the next three uh, people that were taken. So, to be honest, uh, I don't know if it's fair to say that those three guys would have been on the Giants list or not, but it certainly would kind of sound like that based on the timeline that Dave Gettleman gave you.
1: Yeah, no question about it, Paul. Just from my notes here, plays bigger than his size at a 5'11", good straight-ahead speed, quick, ridiculous change of direction. I did note I thought he's a little raw as a route runner, and that's something that he talked about, and he said himself that he needs to improve on that. He's a former college quarterback. Lance, you mentioned the return game. I'm going to throw this out there too. I forget what game it was, but there's film out there, and I tweeted it out a few weeks ago. Where they ran a trick play for him at Florida, and on the move with the ball in his hands, he launches like a 55-yard pass downfield for um, deep completion. So, you know, the Giants, if they want to run some trick plays, Tony's going to be the guy. He was on on an NFL Network interview that I watched about a month ago, and he claimed he could throw the ball 70 yards in the air. And, And by the way, based on the fact that he threw it 55 yards on the run, it would not surprise me if he could. So this guy could be, like, besides the return guy, he could be a gadget master here as a, as a former high school quarterback, which he also said kind of helps him, you know, learn offenses, and he said he's very excited to, to kind of dip into the Giants' playbook a little bit.
2: Well, it gives somebody a different lens on the field yeah. through what you could do with Tony, because when you played quarterback, you really see the field from understanding what the defense is going to bring to the table as well as the roles that other players around you have. So I think that's beneficial. But I'll also bring up the fact that, remember, Jason Garrett used Golden Tate as a passer a few times last season. Great point. Now Golden Tate's not in the equation anymore. Okay, well, you could still be creative. You could have Tony now fulfill that role. And you look at his return numbers. I mean, he returned the punt for a touchdown as well. So he's got that dynamic playmaking ability. If you want to utilize him as a rotational guy, remember, keep in mind, Deion Lewis was not re-signed. He was somebody that was a return guy. So there's room for them to infuse somebody new, especially a rookie who may not all of a sudden be in every single down starter as a wide receiver, but you want to find other ways for him to impact field position. It would not surprise me at all. The other thing, guys, that I wanted to add, especially when you look at the takeaways from what Chris Pettit said during his press conference, I got the feeling that the senior bowl – was a big, strong selling point for Tony in the eyes of the Giants. Because what Pettit said was, and this goes back to what we were talking about, why adding 2020, re- 22 resources are so key. You didn't have the exposure. You didn't get to meet with these players one-on-one at their universities, at their schools. But if you went down to the Senior Bowl, all of those players had 15-minute interviews with plexiglass in between them <laughs> to chat with personnel and What Chris Pettit said was they went through that very lengthy day. They met with all the prospects. Tony was the last guy, and they were all exhausted as a staff, and Tony brought some energy, and they were really able to get in-depth about his life beyond football, and that, to me, seemed to be a strong selling point to see him up close and personal and get to know him, which is not something you had the luxury to do with prospects that were not at the Senior Bowl this year.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, and Paul, that brings us to the final thing we should touch on here, and Joe Judge was asked about this, so was Dave Gettleman and Chris Pettit and Kadarius. Tony was asked about it, too. There are some off-the-field concerns. You guys can go out there and Google what happened with him and, and what what happened earlier in his career. Uh, Tony said that teams didn't seem that concerned about it when they talked to him because they happened, you know, I think 2018 was, was the last mm-hmm. incident. And, you know, Joe Judge made a point, and he says, guys, look, I, I, this is a— This is a paraphrase, but it's close to a quote, Paul. You guys know I'm particular about the type of guys I bring in here. I want to have a deeper understanding of their character. That's essential rather than just what's kind of tweeted out there and what's in the news. And Lance, you did a perfect transition. You know, the only time teams could meet with players face-to-face this year was the senior bowl. And it was really important, and all three guys pointed this out, how important it was for them to sit down with him at the Senior Bowl to get a feel for him face-to-face. And Paul, the Giants and Joe Judge also said uh, that they used all the other resources at their disposal. Jeremy Prude, who's on the Giants staff, recruited him coming out of high school. Other coaches had him. Uh, had long exposures to him at summer camps when he was a younger player. So they used all that to get a feel for him. He's had a shoulder injury. He's had a shin injury. He checked out medically with the Giants medical staff. So they used everything at their disposal to check all those boxes on the information on players that we don't really have.
0: Well, and also uh, he should we should add he mentioned the medical staff too mm-hmm. because Tony had been banged up a little bit. And he said, we totally trust our medical staff. And they said they check off on a guy. That's it. Now, now Chris Pettit, again, I think it, it does bear mention as you bring this up, his quote was, if there was a concern, he wouldn't have been on our board. Yep. And it's very simple because, again, to paraphrase what you said about uh, Judge, Judge said uh, fully vetted every player on the board. It was very comfortable with those players and said he is very particular about who he wants. So when you put all of this stuff together, um, let's let's just say that there was a fine-tooth comb that went on with anybody who these guys were going to discuss, and if they did not pass whatever test that Judge and the Giants organization had for them, they were not going to make it to the draft room board tonight. I think I feel very comfortable saying that. I mean, Pettit's comment pretty much tells you that. If, if, if for whatever reason they were going to disqualify a guy, he wasn't going to be draftable. It wasn't that they were going to move him down 10 spots. It, it sounds like, to me, they was very serious about starting to just eliminate guys off of the wall. Yeah, it makes sense.
1: All right, guys, we're not going to go through best players left available because, frankly, we're recording this and the draft is still going on. So we don't want to bliss guys and then they get taken. That's number one. And number two, we have a two-hour Big Blue kickoff live tomorrow at noon on Friday on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. So if you tune into that show, we'll talk about the best players remaining and what the Giants might do in rounds two and three. Do you guys have anything else to add on, Tony, or do you think we had everything? I think I we're think good, we're right? Good.
2: Well, the only thing I just wanted to add, in terms of what Paul was talking about with the injuries, just so that our listeners can gain some background intel. As a freshman, it was a shoulder and a shin issue. That kept him out of a few games, so that's 2017 we're talking about, just to give you an idea of his injury history. And then he missed half his junior season, that was 2019, with a left shoulder injury. That's at least the details with respect to his injury history.
1: Yeah, he was four years at Florida, eight games as a freshman, 12 as a sophomore, seven as a junior, and then all 11 starting as a senior, which is really a breakthrough year. He had never had more than 25 catches in a season Until that senior year. And he did test off the charts, by the way. A 4.3740, I mentioned that. A 3 cone, a 6.88, which is excellent. An 11.4 broad jump. A 39 inch vertical. And it's not as high as Lance's, but it's pretty good. So, you know, just <laughs> so re- just really good numbers there. So Giants got a real good athlete and a playmaker to try to help out their offense and their quarterback, Daniel Jones, next year. Remember, folks, we'll see you tomorrow or Friday, whenever you're listening to this, at noon on Giants.com as we get ready for rounds two and three. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is, of course, on the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank. And we'll have more rapid reactions tomorrow night as well after the Giants' second and third round picks. We'll see you then.